Hey everyone, welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. Today, my amazing co-host Liz Henson and I want to talk about something that I see all the time, which is if you run a business and we go to your website or your LinkedIn profile or whatever, chances are you probably say something like you're the CEO of your company, which is great. But usually there are so many other hats that we're wearing in addition to being that CEO hat. And so when we talk about how you can become a stronger and stronger business owner and CEO, there are really different phases of what that title of CEO means from the context of you running the business. So today we want to walk through these different phases because the reality is when we see that CEO title next to a name, it really doesn't mean much without having extra context about what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And I think also people that are wondering, is it okay if I call myself a CEO? Who gets to call themselves that? I think this is really going to clarify where you are in that journey, right? Because there's no right or wrong. We get to create our own adventure around here. Yeah. But I think it might help some of you that don't really know how to define your role or where you want to go next. Yeah. And I want to be clear, like, I'm not one of those people who say, don't call yourself a CEO if you're also doing this other stuff. Like, whatever makes the most sense for your positioning and your branding, call yourself whatever you want. But when you're thinking about growing your business and, okay, what do I need to be doing to level up what the business is doing, how I'm showing up to support the business, how we can get to this next level. The answer is these five different phases that you need to work through. And the more I'm putting this together, talking with my team, walking a group of people through this framework, the more I love it because you can't really skip phases here. Mm -hmm. I have a nephew who loves Pokemon and I spent this weekend with him. And of course we were talking about how certain Pokemon evolve into different Pokemon. And when they evolve, like the game changes, they look completely different and leveled up. Your business fundamentally changes when you shift from one phase to another. Mm -hmm. And so again, we're going to dive into five phases today that every CEO has to level up to. Before I go into this though, and Liz, I know that you are very much aligned with me on this. There's no best phase to this. Some might sound more appealing to you than others, but the goal isn't necessarily to reach phase five. I'm a huge fan of phase five. I think you can have the most freedom and impact and quality time with your family if you reach phase five. But there's no judgment about where you are here. This is more about just 
getting an objective sense of where you want to be and where you are right now. Yeah. And we won't continue to move the needle if we don't define what our next goal is. Yeah. Right. And what that looks like before you dive in though, I do want to do a little bit of a follow-up yes. on our amazing episode about inbox management so that you can remind everyone when that will be available. Cause I know I'm going to, Oh my gosh. So excited about this. So we'll make sure that we drop a link in the comments to everybody who's tuning in, especially on the Facebook group. Liz and I did a past episode walking through our biggest tips and secrets to help you master your inbox. You schooled me on how to master it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've gotten some great feedback from people who tuned in, people wanting to learn more saying, I really want to take action on this. We are creating a course, a program that walks you through in a more detailed way, how to master your inbox. And for a temporary period, that course is going to be available for free to everyone inside of our Facebook group, The Business Growth Advantage. So we're going to call it a mini course because I just read an article that a mini course is where it's at when it comes to digital products. Right? I love that. And it really is going to feel like a mini course. We're going to make this super actionable on everybody's ends. There's so much value to this. We're going to make it super implementable, but also very much worth the time because when I have been polling people, getting feedback of all of the different things that we can be talking about, one thing that I know people are craving is how can I get out of my inbox more? How can I get to a point where I can spend days or weeks not looking at my emails and when I open it up, it's super manageable, maybe having zero emails because someone's helping manage that inbox for me. This course walks you through how to really become a master at managing your emails. I'm so excited for you guys. It's going to be, I've already got it all mapped out. And again, it'll be available really soon. It's going to be really good. And we're going to tie it back to the five phases too, for sure. And I just know this week especially reminded me how badly I need to take action on some of those steps. I have, my Mm. son is homesick and I just feel like of all the things, like my emails piling up, it's making me feel behind all those things that are going to stop happening. Once I go through these email management steps, I'm putting off number one, Joey, that's all I'm putting. off. My gosh. No, that's, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, right? Email management. But if you think about it, like if you could snap your fingers and change one thing about your business, When I talk to people, it's, oh, it's the inbox. If I could get that under control, my life would just be so much better. And yes, mini training will walk you through how to do it. And in a very kind of bite-sized, let's take baby steps to get there kind of way. Okay. So just make sure you guys are following along and paying attention. We're going to release that really soon. I'll let Joey get back to his focus of the five steps of CEO growth. But I didn't want us to forget that because it is coming down the pipe. All good. And if you've already commented or something on a post where I talked about who wants access to this when we drop it, we will be making sure that we're responding to everybody who has already requested access to something like this and making sure that you see that it's available. All right. So let's talk about these five phases. Phase number one probably isn't going to surprise anyone. Phase number one is where you are a true solo. And most, if not all of us, start as a true solo, right? Mm-hmm. This is where you're literally doing everything in the company. And if you're lucky, you can take nights and weekends off. 
But once you start getting more clients and more customers, it's really difficult to take any time off. Mm -hmm. And there are negatives to staying in each one of these phases. I will say the business owners that I coach and consult with, the longer they stay a true solo, the harder it is for them to evolve out of it. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of us, this is compared to a job that we hated, this is the dream, right? This is total control, freedom to do whatever you want. You don't really have any responsibility to anybody else. But this only gets you so far and it very quickly becomes a set of golden handcuffs, even if you're not making that much money. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the worst job in the world because it sounds great on paper, but I really have no freedom. It's like I quit my nine to five to work 24 seven type of stuff. And most solopreneurs, if they don't work, they don't make money. Now there are exceptions when it comes to like evergreen and digital products and passive income, but we all know nothing's really passive. You still have to work at the marketing and all the things. Right. So yeah, I would say this is definitely that feeling of being available 24 seven, being glued to your computer, all those things. And like you said in the beginning, it doesn't matter where you are, what you call yourself. But I do notice as you go up the ladder, it's like there's no going back. There yes. will never be a time in my life again where I am a total solopreneur. Yes. Like, I, can't go, I can't go back. I can't no. go back. <laughs> I think the only exception is if you're like starting a new business. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And you're starting this process over again. But even then, hopefully you can skip phase one and go straight to phase two which is the hustler phase. Mm -hmm. So at first I combined this with the true solo, but it's actually super different Mm -hmm. because in the hustler phase, most of the work still falls on your plate, but you're starting to get a taste of the beauty of delegation. Mm -hmm. And And it might look like working with your first agency or outsourcing to a contractor, it might not necessarily be an employee, but it might be the first time that you let go of some type of task. Yes. So much of the business succeeding still depends on you, especially on the customer or client delivery side. Mm -hmm. Usually people who go from true solo to hustler, maybe they get some help with some marketing, maybe some very admin level stuff. It's very difficult to have your first delegation be with helping people actually fulfill client work Mm -hmm. Uh, just because there's a lot of times you end up putting even more time reviewing and approving that kind of work than just doing it yourself. And so a lot of business owners get stuck in the hustle stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what's tough about the hustler phase is like the true solo phase, the longer you stay there, the harder it is to evolve because there's this story that starts to get triggered of, oh, it's really hard to trust people. Mm-hmm. I need and another me. I need another me. If you want something done, just do it yourself. Or as long as I have really great automations and tools, like no one else needs to be involved. Mm-hmm. But the reality then is, you are totally accountable to everything happening in the company. And you have little to no time to work on the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I remember that feeling of doing so much client work and I was making great money, but I had no time to like really think about my five-year plan or even my one-year plan. Yeah. Like all these creative ideas that I couldn't take action on for probably a solid two years. Hmm. And I get it because there is an expense to bringing on work and to delegating, but it is so accessible to get out of not only the true solo, but the hustler space. And there are vendors you can work with and virtual assistants you can bring on, especially for the more admin level stuff that can really help you elevate here. The next, by the way, before I say what phase three is, if any of you are listening and saying, okay, phase one sounds like me, I'm a true solo, or phase two sounds like me, I'm definitely the main doer across the board here. Let us know in the comments if you're tuning in live. Give us a one or a two. Phase three, and I have a feeling just kind of knowing our community, this is probably one that a lot of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Phase three is the systemizer phase. This is where you start to bring on help. And you now have certain people who are permanently plugged into your company who are performing key tasks for you. You might still be doing certain performer-related tasks, especially around the delivery of your services, but you have people who are helping you with certain administrative stuff, maybe managing your emails, maybe helping with marketing or intake or something like that. This is where people really start to fall in love with systems. Mm-hmm. It's also where people start to see that the company is becoming more organized. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of benefits to being in phase three over the previous two. You're now able to work on the business more right? You get to plug into these systems. You get to take more time off in an unplugged way and circle back to it. One thing to be mindful though, is there is this phrase that I love in the business owner and leadership world of you manage things, but you lead people. When you're in the systemizer phase, even though you're above those previous two phases, you still haven't plugged in other people to help you manage the company. Mm -hmm. And so you're still the main ultimate reviewer and approver on everything. Mm -hmm. And this is where people tend to fall into micromanaging. And this is where it can become really tough to keep rock stars on your team because Usually people who stay too long in the systemizer phase, they're not the most inspiring people to work for. There's this idea in the systemizer phase of, oh, if we have the best systems, then we're good. Mm -hmm. This is where culture starts to become more of an issue across the company. Mm -hmm. And even though you're bringing on people who can help track things, you're not really leading anyone. Mm-hmm. you're just making sure that everybody is doing the doer performer work. Yeah. It's you. And then the doers, there's nothing in between. If you've worked with Joey on accountability shirts, that whole like section is missing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it's really, addi- it's addicting and rewarding because things are getting done and you're not doing them, but there's that missing piece of someone else like 
following up and making sure. And, yes. Yeah. You're so busy checking that deadlines are being met and putting out fires when deadlines aren't met or people aren't getting the work done that they said they would do. It becomes very hard for you to take more than a week vacation. And if you do, you're probably seeing certain fires. Mm-hmm. This is where a lot of people, by the way, start to devolve. They see these growing pains. They say to themselves, I'm not a good manager. I didn't sign up to be like a people person in this business. And they shift back down to, okay, how can I be the hustler or maybe even the true solo? I'm like, man, it just felt easier when I didn't have to yes. deal with people. Yeah. Yeah. But what they don't realize is the way out of phase three and into phase four isn't necessarily managing more people. It's letting go of that role of managing others mm-hmm. and elevating other people on the team to track progress and hold others accountable and ensure that deadlines are being met so that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Phase four is the leader phase. This is where you as the business owner and CEO are shifting from managing things to really leading people. And you bring people under your team, not just as key doers, but people who are helping you manage certain parts of the company. And so what this can look like is you're now starting to have meetings with, let's say that Liz managed one of my divisions I would then have a meeting with Liz on a certain frequency where it made sense, where Liz is reporting to me, okay, there are five or six key doers underneath me who are doing X, Y, Z. These four people are doing great. This one person seems to be having issues. Liz is now closer to the ground on that. As CEO, she can still keep me informed on things, but she is now making sure that those deadlines are being met, that work is being done. And To the extent that someone is being micromanaged, it's Liz doing the micromanaging, not me. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. And I'm just curious without going too far out of context here, because I know traditionally in larger companies, you have like around three departments. So three of these manager role types. How does one go from zero, like it's just the CEO and the doers, and you're in that system systematized phase, do you just have one person start managing all the different departments? Or do you recommend starting with one department at a time? And this that. is probably a little outside of the conversation. No, this is, I love that you ask that. I think it's super important as soon as possible in your business to create what we call an accountability chart, or just like a team chart of what's happening in your company. The trick that most people don't realize, though, is that it has to be reflective of the certain roles in the company, not just a pretty visual of, okay, who are the teammates on this team? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, whether you know it or not, you have at least three different departments in your company. Even the solo. Even the true solo has three departments in their company. Your mind is always going in at least three big buckets. Either you're thinking of the fulfillment side of when I get a new client or a customer, what needs to get done. That's probably where you're spending most of your time. Mm -hmm. Or you're thinking about growth, marketing, sales, branding, all that stuff. Again, a lot of true solos and hustlers carry all of that weight. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's a third very important department to be thinking of, which is what we call operations. Mm-hmm. That's all of the processes, your emails, your calendar, creating SOPs for yourself or others to follow. If you're something like a lawyer, like me, there's certain continuing education hours that I need to track. Bookkeeping falls under operations. Mm -hmm. And again, the more that you're a true solo and a hustler, the more that you can't really spend your time in all of these places equally. So the more you get to systemizer, which is phase three, the more bandwidth you start to have to really give focus to each of these three departments. But when you become a leader, you're now saying, okay, how can I create a team, usually in operations first, then in fulfillment, and then in growth, where these people are helping me hold key doers accountable. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I had someone who maybe was an overseas admin assistant who was helping with bookkeeping, instead of me looking at those, making sure that everything was done right, there could be a manager on that side of operations who's meeting with that VA so that I don't have to. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then that manager is also meeting with the person who is making sure that our LLC paperwork is getting filed when it needs to get filed and making sure that taxes are being paid and doing all this other stuff. And so when I get to the leader phase, I get to get further removed from the weeds there and plug someone else in. And I'm just using Liz as an example here to say, Liz, you're going to be managing this operations team. Mm-hmm. And then reporting to me what's happening. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why you recommend going in the order of operations, fulfillment, marketing? Yes. Without going down to another rabbit hole. Uh, I recommend operations first because if you are wanting to evolve through this stuff, you will need processes. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense to first start to delegate someone else to say, hey, let me let you into kind of my mindset of why I'm making the processes this way. Here's how we do things. Here's how our project manager works, things like that. Delivery is tough to really start to delegate because, or fulfillment, I should say, because it takes time as a business to really feel clear and confident and consistent. Mm-hmm. about the quality of work that you give mm-hmm. to others. Mm-hmm. And so it can take a while for you to really feel like you've refined and polished the processes that go into really making sure that clients are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so at Indie Law, for example, we've created a real assembly line so that when a new client signs up, it's like we put them on like a Ford assembly line car thing of first this happens, then this happens. That took a while to put together. And so having someone else assist with operations first made sense. And then as we started to get clearer on, okay, we're clearing up our processes on what it means to serve this client well, then it made more sense for me to design myself out of fulfillment. Growth tends to be the last department to delegate and elevate yourself because number one, you usually want to make sure that you're doing a really good job 
fulfilling, mm -hmm. keeping your clients happy before you start really making it rain with new leads. Yeah. And for most businesses, at least when you start, the quick ROI to get more sales is referrals. Mm -hmm. And if you're not consistently keeping your clients happy, then you're not going to get those referrals. So at a foundational level, I always recommend really make sure that you're serving your clients well first, that you've got a really strong and proven offer and promise. Mm -hmm. And then we can start to shift to growth. Also, growth, and Liz knows this because she's plugged into kind of the growth side of things with Indie Law and what we're building. Growth is always changing. It often feels like a big blob. <laughs> and it's really hard to create clear processes. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to just hire an agency to help you with certain things, and that can be great. But as you start to bring more teammates in-house to say, I want you to help with social media, with Canva, with website, you need to get really clear about the steps that they need to take in order to do those jobs well. And until you become, until you put the work and the months in to be more of an experienced business owner, you're probably going to whip like every marketing expert. And this happened to me. Every single marketing expert that I met every month for a while was making me completely change what I thought my marketing should look like. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> there were years where I know my entire marketing team was having whiplash from me because I just kept changing the goalpost. And mm -hmm. so I'm glad that you asked that question because when it comes from going systematizer to leader, usually there's an order to how you get there and it's yeah. operations first, then fulfillment, then growth. Of course there are exceptions, but that's the most common path that we're seeing. Well, and talking through this, it, it makes it so clear that even within fulfillment and growth, there are systems, which are in operations. Yes. Even if you want to work on email marketing, okay, that's growth. Well, who's going to operate your CRM and your marketing right. you know, platform? that would be an operation. So they are actually all connected and that makes so much sense. So thanks. Thanks for Yeah, that. of course. Of course. And phase four, the leader phase, like it sounds great, right? Like you can end there and you can. Yeah. But there's one more phase if you're up to the challenge of rising one more level. And phase five is the influencer phase. This is where you're now leading leaders. And it sounds kind of weird to think about it this way, but it's where you're really stepping back more as CEO and letting other leaders really fill in like high accountability roles in the company. This is where you get to take a month vacation unplugged and you know the work is still going to get done certain metrics are still going to be hit. It takes a while to get here. But one thing that really changed my life and my business is this quote of the more your business depends on you, the less it's worth. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the influencer phase, the business really doesn't depend on you. There's still certain responsibilities that you have as just CEO but so much of the day-to-day -day and really the quarter that you're in can just be run by the business. 
when you're in the influencer stage, your main priorities are how can I design an even better business in the next quarter and beyond? And how can I trust and inspire my leadership team as much as possible so that they can be better prepared to lead the next version of this company? Because as hard as it can be to get your business to $1 million a year and having a leadership team that's all not you leading the departments, if you want to get to $10 million a year, you and your entire leadership team needs to step up and become a new version of yourselves to make that happen. And the reality is most leadership teams on a business look completely different than the makeup of who was filling those seats five or 10 years ago. And I've been very clear with my team. I know I said this to Liz. I want my team to be an exception to that rule. I want to keep pouring into my team. Ideally, we have the same group of people that is focusing on personal development so that they can continue to level up and not really be happy doing just one thing forever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's one thing to be a really strong leader on your team. It is such another game that you're playing when now you are leading leaders on your team. Yeah. And I also want to circle back to that phrase of work on your business instead of in your business. I have a lot of love for that phrase. And I think that this five phase breakdown helps clarify that working on your business is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get to systemize their phase. They feel like, and they are now working on their business more, but they're just working at a like narrow perspective of what that means. And there are levels to working on your business that you can't really tap into if you stop at the systemizer phase. Yeah. When I love that you mentioned that the systemizer phase, a lot of times this is where people want to either backslide or give up. Cause I just feel that so much. I would consider myself in phase three, Mm. somewhere whereabouts. Right. And it's hard. This is definitely the most pivots or challenges or hurdles I feel like I've come across in a long time. And it's Mm. because it's like really challenging me to get to that next phase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know one challenge is time, right? I can't make this happen tomorrow. Yes. Like how fast? Yes, yes, yes. I always feel like I have an abundance of time to do my work, but yes, the time that I want to get to a year from now. Yes. In that way. So what would that change be? What would be different? What would have to be different about the way things are now to say that you're in that phase four leader space Mm -hmm. instead of the systemizer phase? Yeah, I think so many of the things you said gave me clarity. Like A of all, we're working on our marketing harder than we're working on anything else. (laughs) So, I mean, we probably should focus more on the operations side of things because I do now that, I'm seeing all of this or listening, having this conversation, I'm realizing where my hands are still so much in the pot is operations. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, operations is easy. I've got that under control. Let's just focus on marketing. But that's where I think the wall is coming in because I'm still having to do a lot of the operations side of things to get mm-hmm. the needle to move on the marketing side of things. But I'm obsessed with systems, right? We document everything. Everything's got an SOP. Everything's yeah. got a home and click up, but it's just, there. <laughs> now, 
So if I hear you right, it sounds for you, I see two options of you becoming that leader space. It would either be you bringing on people who have more of a manager role under ops or getting to a place where there is a new operations department lead that's not you. Mm -hmm. Which one of those feels more right for you of, okay, once we hit this milestone, I would be feeling more in the leader phase. Yeah. I mean, I think just giving operations to Amanda, essentially, because she's the one who organizes all the SOPs and knows where everything is anyway. Having her fill that manager. Yeah. I just have to stop being accessible. Like you have to rip the bandaid off. Right. And just, she's the one that's got to figure it out and then come to me when she can't. Now I know it can be when you're trying to figure out how you can get out of that manager role and you see someone who you can elevate. Yeah. uh, Usually (laughs) what that means is okay. If Amanda is going to manage that part of operations, how can I get her out of the doer work Mm. so that she really more managing that than Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have someone who can get plugged in and start to take some of that doer work off of Amanda's plate? Mm -hmm. Probably some. Yeah. But we're so small. Yeah. We almost have to think differently of elevating everyone who's already here up and then bringing in more doers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that the conversation is going here because I think a lot of people can relate to being in the systemizer phase and wanting to get to the leader phase. And just being small, right? Like if you have a team of two, three, five, we're at about five or six right now. You're so small. It's like really hard. Like, man, this person is in charge of this whole section, but they're the manager and they're the doer. And technically they're the leader, right? Or I'm the leader. Yeah. But they're all the things. So I would recommend asking yourself and Amanda a few questions around this. Number one, How can we clarify whether or not there are other doers on the team who could do some of this doer work? Number two, do we have the capacity and budget to start hiring more of an army of doers at this point so that we have coverage and we can start training people into this role? Assuming that we don't want to make this like an overnight switch, how long do we want to say Amanda has to step away from the weeds of these tasks and do a role. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do we want that to be like a 30 day kind of training and offboarding period? Do we want it to be 90 days? What makes the most sense for the team? And also to what extent are we elevating Amanda to a manager with her eyes on leadership? Mm -hmm. So how interested is Amanda in becoming in the future a department lead? Mm-hmm. And we don't have to be looking for a certain answer, but if she is interested in at least learning more about what that could mean to be a department lead, now you can start to create that future timeline as well and yeah. say, okay, if that's the goal, then ideally as that's happening, someone else is coming to fill that manager role. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is such a good conversation and it just reminds me of our next level CEO mm conversations. So I'm like, we need to make sure that we're sharing. I know it's not, the doors aren't happening yet. We're halfway through the program, but this is just the magic that happens when we're in that small group 
setting talking about these things and yeah. none of this was planned you guys like Joey and I always jump on right before the call and he's like this is kind of what I'm thinking about talking about today like I had no idea I was gonna walk away totally feeling a lot more clarity around some of these things that I've been going on with my accountability mm -hmm. chart and that's just what happens when you create a container that's focused on nothing but team building like the needle moves yeah for anybody who's like next level CEO what is that we're gonna be talking more about it in the future, right now, we've got a really great group of founding members who are working through the program and helping us shape what the future of this is like. But it's really an accelerator program. It's really unique because a lot of the coaching groups or masterminds that you're potentially looking at or are in are very focused on marketing, mm -hmm. sales, as they should be. If you're going to be spending money on a mastermind like that, it's great to see that ROI. What's unique about Next Level CEO is we're putting all of those important topics of sales and marketing to the side and even processes. Mm -hmm. And we're really just looking at, okay, let's look at your team. I will say Next Level CEO probably isn't the best fit if currently you're in phase one where you're a true solo. But as long as you're in phase two, this is a really great program for you to map out what this looks like. I would say so many advantages if you're a two, because there's so many things that I could have done better over mm. the years had I had some of this information. Yeah. And if you think about it, if you invest in a good marketing agency, one of the first things that they will do is force you to get super clear about what your current marketing looks like. If you pay a really good bookkeeper, one of the first things that they're going to do is get super clear on what your books look like right now. If yeah. you pay a sales strategist, they're going to get clear on what your conversion rates currently look like so they can then see what growth and progress will look like. What we do in Next Level CEO is we really slow down and get crystal clear of what does your business currently look like team-wise? How can we get micro-level clear on what this looks like in a way that you've never dug deep into before so that we can more easily look into the future and help you decide over the next three years, one year, 90 days, what do you need to be prioritizing so that you can go from true solo, to hustler, to systemizer, to leader, and if you want it, to influencer. Yeah. And you'll probably leave the program having gone up a notch, but you'll at least have the roadmap of how to get there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. Just had to do that little shameless plug because I feel like, oh, we got to save this conversation. Yeah. Don't have too much of this conversation. We got to save it for next level CEO. Well, and if you are in, I also just kind of want to put some context and kind of if you're in what phase, what can Liz and I and the Business Growth Advantage do for you? If you're a true solo, check out Global Vetted VAs. <laughs> we can help you quickly go from true solo to hustler. And even if you're a hustler, if you're in phase two, look into Global Vetted VAs because we can match you with really strong vetted administrative assistants who can help you get out of more of those tasks so that you can then shift to systemizer. Mm-hmm. We are working on certain ways that in kind of a done for you way, my team can temporarily plug into your business, provide you with a temporary leadership team who can start to prepare your roles for 
getting you out of the management seats and out of the, the leader seats. Until then, Next Level CEO is just an amazing program, especially if you're in the systemizer or leader space and you are looking for a framework and a trustworthy mastermind community to help you get there. Yeah. And you can pair it with global vetted VAs, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So much fun stuff coming out. Like we're really wrapping up this year with some really cool stuff. Now, again, if you're tuning into this live or you're watching the replay, let us know in the comments, what were your big takeaways, your big golden nuggets from this? If you're tuning into the podcast, you should join the Facebook group. Go to facebook.com and check out the Business Growth Advantage. It's a completely free Facebook group. And like Liz said at the beginning of this episode, we are about to launch only for members in that group a free mini course around mastering your inbox. So you want to make sure that you're in that group if you want that access. Yes. And I will be going through it too. So you can have <laughs> accountability friends. Awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. Bye guys. Bye everybody. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn the